Prophet, priest, and king, and and maybe maybe we're working on that, Bob. It's very possible that we might Uh-oh. be dealing with that. <laughs> you might might be given some ideas there. <laughs> and um, Psalm twenty-two twenty-eight. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and He rules over the nations. Now He rules over the church, but He rules over America. He rules over Canada, rules over Mexico, England, France, Spain. He rules over the Arabs, the Muslim world. He rules everything. Over ISIS, yeah. The kingdom is the Lord's. He rules over uh, the nations, all the people. And He has all the authority, all the power. And of course, whether you think of authority... As far as ministry is concerned, that he gives to mankind, to to his his people, he gives ministry, or whether it even be political, he gives political um, leaders. Um, So whether it be church or whether it be in the political realm, um, Christ is the only Lord. He's the fountain of all power. So anything that has any authority at all, it's really only gotten from God. And we'll look at these passages. And of course, we know ultimately that uh, He will bring things to the all in all. The object of the authority is the whole of creation. All of creation. Everything. Um, All things are put under His feet there, as it says uh, in Ephesians. And uh, He rules over that. Uh, It it says in John 17.2 where Jesus is praying to the Father. And this is the great priestly prayer, right? And in John 17, 2, He says, of course in 1, He says, Glorify Your Son that the Son may glorify You. Then verse 2, Even as You gave Him authority over all flesh, that to all whom You've given Him, He may give eternal life. He rules all flesh. Of course, all creation. Uh, all creatures whether they're rational, whether they're irrational, whether they're animate, whether they're inanimate, whether they're angels or devils or men, wicked or uh, righteous, whether it be the winds, the seas, all obey Him. Quite a thought. I thought. That's the object of His authority. And the end of it, really, is for the church, for His body. Uh, for our advantage, for our comfort, for our salvation. It was the remnant that He died for. He purchased the church. And, uh, of course, that blood is the very security, the highest security that we have as He uh, died on the cross. God the Father has put all things into His hand. Everything. To order and dispose as He pleases. That's our Lord. So, you see the on the, on your outline... The doctrine kind of sums up everything. That all the affairs of the kingdom of providence are ordered and determined by Jesus Christ for the special advantage and everlasting good of His redeemed people. So you think of John 17.2 that we just read. And you think of Romans 8.28. All things work together for good to those who love Him called according to His purpose. So this is the providential influence upon all the affairs of the the world. I think it's very evident because of Scripture, but then also just rational observations as we have wisdom from God, and it's really the everlasting good of His redeemed people. So what we um, what we do tonight is we um, adapt this from the fountain of life that um, John Flavel did, and of course he did do the prophet, the priest, the king. Uh, he covered Christ very well. It's, and this is dealing with how He providentially executes in this world for the good of the saints. And so that's what kind of king and ruler we have. He is uh, the ruler. It's, it's pretty good. you know. He, he has this kingdom and He will do what He wants. And He's the one who elects. You know, we, we try to elect... Uh, rulers and hopefully that people would go along with uh, the righteous kind of thoughts that we'd have and who we'd want to place there. 
But unrighteous people will put in unrighteous people. But yet God is our King. And so when we see that, in light of all that, I think it really helps um, our uh, our view of what is uh, happening in our lives. Why don't we uh, go to the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank You so much for You being the great, awesome, sovereign, holy God that You are. And You have given authority, all authority to Christ, Your Son. Thank You for His great obedience that He had here while He was on earth as He was subject. But at the same time, we know that He was considered to be Lord and now He is proclaimed as Lord and King over all the earth. Thank You that we have this King. And may we be able to see God in a little bit higher light than we've had even before. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, the first one says Christ rules and orders the kingdom of providence. He rules it. He orders it. First thing He does is He supports it. He supports the world. He holds it up. All the creatures, everything that's living in this earth, the way that the earth is consisted of, think of all the atoms, and He is the one that holds it all together. Think of Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. That's pretty broad spectrum when we're saying all things. He holds it all together. What keeps these atoms from just hurling apart from each other? It's only Christ that can do that. He holds it together. He created it. He sustains it. He supports the world and all the creatures that are in it. That's a that's a pretty good king that can do that, huh? That's kind of a little bit of an authority and power, I believe, that's been granted to him. We can, um, real quick, sorry, yeah. I want to ask a question. Uh, this kingdom of providence uh, label—that's John Flavel's uh, term. Yeah. What what exactly does that mean? Like, uh, is it label? Is it uh, giving a name to the people of Christ, or is it giving a name? Like I've never I've never seen that that uh, phrase before like biblically. You know, it's it's an interesting combination of words. Yeah, as as you as you take just just the whole world in general, believers, unbelievers, everything oh. that's in it, and he works providentially in every little detail that's going. God is in it. You know, he's okay. he's working providence. Uh, of course, even though you don't see that word put in there of course you see throughout the Old Testament for instance he takes somebody like Abraham Mm -hmm. and works providentially through him or you can think of Joseph how the story of Joseph happened there's a great story of providence right Mm -hmm. and so he works in, in his life but he takes people that are unbelievers and even gives them um a time to so-called shine in the world as a ruler, and you know he brings them up and then lowers them down. But he's working all these elements that we can't even see, things that are way behind the scene, underneath and over the whole kingdom. There, we're talking about everything. Okay. And of course, ultimately, the you know we think of the kingdom that is is to come. There's a spiritual kingdom that we're in now. We entered into the kingdom of light. And so in this case, he's talking about the whole world, but really he's working in it for the good of the saints. Does that kind of help there? Yeah. Is that where you're heading? Okay. Um, so just generally we can see, like for instance, the next part that we have here, he permits the worst of men, the most evil of men, to act as they do. He permits. It. He could stop it if he wanted, couldn't he? If if he can't, then he's not powerful, and we go, wow, <laughs> you know. But but he lets them make their choice that they have. But he can also stunt that. He can stunt those purposes uh, when he de- so desires. Um, look in Job twelve sixteen. With him are strength and sound wisdom. 
the misled and the misleader belong to him. There, have you ever heard it that way before? We think of the unrighteous. What does he call them? You like that, Bob? The misled yeah, yeah, and the like misleader. <laughs> they even belong to him. He rules over them. Yeah. Uh, Acts fourteen sixteen, a New Testament passage. In the generations gone by, He permitted all the nations to go their own ways. He permitted He let them go. He could have, if He didn't want made all the nations be believers. He could have done that. He could have made... But at the same time, He allows them to do what they want to do here. He just permits them to go their own way. But then we also see His plan in that. And, uh, of course, it shows you that uh, he didn't leave himself without witness and that he did good and gave rains from the heaven and fruitful season. We've heard that God rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, it's amazing that God even takes care of the ones who hate Him and are wicked and evil. Well, so much for the God that wound up the clock and walked away. Right. Well, <laughs> it's just one or two passages that we read just blows that away, doesn't it? How can anybody ever say, what kind of God is that? He doesn't really care. He's not personal. Involved in all the affairs of men. I was thinking of your series on Nehemiah, you know, and how he was, you know, providentially, you know, uh, involved in all of that, you know, from everything from the the king that Nehemiah served to the people that the, the governors and things that Nehemiah went to to get supplies and passage and. Whatever, and then and then the evil, you know, Tobiah and those other evil people in the <laughs> camps, and you know, that were causing the trouble, and and even the priests that were disobedient and obedient, both. So all of that, you know, that's a good illustration of him working providence. Yeah, it's like that. Just uh, he's all through there. With with what you say, the dynamics of the whole spectrum of people, you know, the good, yeah. the bad, and the ugly. And a lot of people would say, well, that's all by accident. But in God's kingdom, there are no accidents. You know, I mean, he's he's never taken by surprise. But you know, it's interesting that he would actually permit evils there in Nehemiah. There, he brings them back to his nation. He could have kept them from hassling them. You know, all the you know, and and as time went on, it just they were always a thorn in the side. Yeah. But uh, he didn't do that. He has the power to do it. But he he permits some evils, such evils. He could prevent it. Um, Flavel said here something I thought was pretty good. Pure sunbeams are not tainted by the noxious vapors of the dung hill on which they shine. <laughs> pretty graphic, isn't it? That almost sounds like Luther would come up with that one. Colorful wording. <laughs> What's that? Spurgeon, yeah, no kidding. I think Spurgeon, you know, he had those guys to borrow from a lot. You know, he read these kind of guys so much. Yeah, Spurgeon, yeah, and he has a a ton of them. He just, it just goes on and on and on. He's probably the most quoted preacher ever. Spurgeon is, maybe except for Paul. <laughs> Pure sunbeams, right? Uh, they're still not tainted by the ugliness of sin. His holiness has no fellowship with their iniquities. Even with all the sin that they do, He is not affected by their sin or He tempts them or makes them do that. They still do it of their own choosing. But sometimes He withholds or He restrains the lust that they have. You know what? It's good that He does. He's doing that all the time because if if He let mankind do what they do by their nature, we wouldn't even be existing. Mankind would have destroyed Himself completely. I think of the Tower of Babel. Yeah. How He dispersed. Isn't that kind of happening today again? Isn't there a renewal of yeah. a Babel? Yeah. Put it all together and build our spire to the heavens and we, be our own God. 
That's right. That's what it's about. Being their own God. And so He permits sinful creatures to act out all their wickedness. It's in their hearts. And you know what? At the same time He's acting in that, there would not be any peace or order whatsoever if He's still not acting. Um, I can think of how He restrained some people uh, in on the Bible. did it quite a lot. But, um, one of them is Laban. If you remember back in the turn Genesis thirty one twenty four, if you want to there, you remember uh, Jacob. Of course, Jacob, being the deceiver he was, <laughs> kind of lived up to his name. But Uncle Laban is—he's uh, an equal here. <laughs> he deceived Jacob pretty good with his daughters. You know the story, probably right. And uh, in verse 24, God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream of the night and said to him, Be careful that you don't speak to Jacob either good or bad. You better not do anything. Better not do anything to Jacob because Jacob is God's man. Even though he's done some things that were very deceptive. It says in verse 29, uh, Laban meets up with Jacob. He says, It is in my power to do you harm. I have the power to do it and I can hurt you. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, Be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. Well, he didn't do any harm to Jacob even though he would have liked to have. But it couldn't happen. And um, anyway, that's a little example there how that worked out. It's part of God's providence there as he, as he bridles it. There's another guy by the name of Sennacherib that God put uh, the bridle on. That's in Second Kings chapter 19, verse uh, 7. In verse 6... Uh, Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria, that's Sennacherib, have blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he will hear a rumor and return to his own land and all make him fall by the sword in his own land. Well, that's exactly what happened. Um, Sennacherib, defies God. If we turn to near the end of the chapter, go to verse 35. This is where you had the uh, 185,000 of the Syrians slain. So then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning... Behold, all of them were dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. It came about as he was worshiping in the house of Nishrash, his god, that Adramelech and Sherezer killed him with the sword and escaped into the land of Aram. As hard as the sun became king's place. Exactly as God had said. And he says, I'll take care of him. I will do this. And so he bridled in that in that providence. And of course, he worked a miracle in that, uh, killing the 185,000 Assyrians. That's quite an army, isn't it? Quite, uh, quite the supernatural act of God. Um, the strong propensities of the nature of man are inwardly choked. They're bridled a lot. Otherwise, man would destroy himself quickly. That's what would happen in our world today with all the capacity that man has to destroy the world over and over. How many times? With the, with the power that they have as far as uh, the bombs and the nuclear capacities. The implications of what Scripture says about God almost intervening and in interference with with the uh, affairs of men and everything is 
know, you, you, I, I was thinking, so God really does, uh, as, as the, uh, um, the other side of the spectrum, man-centered spectrum would say, he violates men, men's will, mm. you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and God, our God doesn't do that, but it's almost contrary to that thought, but then you got to think, what ex- what exactly does it mean whenever he says a spirit? Yeah, and you see that in, in, um, in another place, too. Really? And um, at the same time, we know that God never tempts anyone to sin. Right. But he, but he allows the inclination that they already have. It's like it, they are they are now. Driven. He just lets them go. He doesn't really have to do a lot of anything. Yeah. He, he's not. You know. It's like he's restraining the world even now as as we speak. But uh, in another sense, he's put a spirit into this country to some of the leaders and the things that they've done. He backs off some of his wrath. His wrath starts with, he says, okay, that's what you want to do. I'll let you do it. It's like uh, the principality and the ruler of the air, Satan. It's like um, God says back, so Satan can do his work, his work in the hearts of men. I think that's where people don't see that um, God is good and God is just, but God will allow Satan to take over your life because you have no part in the kingdom as it is. So, and that their hearts are been filled with wickedness, so letting them continue doing what they were planning on doing, you know, when God intervenes, it's like his intervention is stepping out. Yeah. So Satan can come in. His own that word spirit, what is that? Does that imply an attitude? Or? It's an ing- what, it, what you have is Sennacherib. Okay, we know already he's a very sinful, evil, wicked man. And what God does, what did he do with um, Pharaoh? He hardened his heart. Now, we know there are places where it says Pharaoh hardened his, hardened his heart. There are other yeah. places where it shows that God hardened his heart. Or, in in a sense, he put a spirit in him. I think right here it would definitely be in the attitude that um, there's an inclination that God put it into him. Hey, you know that he he went ahead and did what his own actions were, but God gave him that freedom or gave him a a, a little push, in a sense, of going ahead and going to do what he would like to do anyway. It's almost it sounded like the army. Or whatever. I might be wrong, but uh, he almost took off the fear or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he hears the rumor. Right. He gets out of there. And as God said, you will hear a rumor. He used, it was the circumstance and the event. That, that was, that's what I was thinking the spirit. You know, I'll, I'll put a spirit into this person. And it was like. He didn't. He didn't actually go into this person. He, he created a a uh, what do they call it? A, an environment, you know, like a controlled environment where it, he knew the outcome would be this, this person's gonna take off and go back. Yeah. I mean, since accurate is that an theory? Yeah. That's he was the leader of them. So there he's a, and the Assyrians are, you know, it's a pretty powerful country there. And of course yeah. they could have ran over God's people, but he did not allow that to happen. We see what hap- happens to Sennacherib in, in the long run. That's what kind of king that we have here. By the way, it said the angel of the Lord. In the Old Testament, when you see the angel of the Lord, you'll never guess who that is. Yeah, that's a pre-incarnate Christ, the captain angel, captain of the armies of heaven. Yep, captain of the armies of what heaven. What about Exodus? Uh, oh, the angel that went over uh, Egypt. The angel of death. They call it the angel of death. Um, that I, you'd probably get different interpretations <coughs> on who, who that would be, or. Or it could just, you know, just be a regular angel. Um, 
there's a, a another type of um, outworking of this that God's active in it with Saul against David. Yeah. And you know Saul being as angry and worked up as he was, and then he was given a spirit that you know that. There sounds like a, an actual, you know, like a demonic tormentor. That Which had already been invited in yeah. by by them, you know. Yeah. Um, we're, uh, that's in. Uh, that that's in First Samuel, right? <laughs> While you're. Yeah, it's, it's probably after. Twenty. It, it's later on in in Samuel. So while you're looking for that, you know, um, yeah, it's in chapter twenty-eight where you have um, Saul consults a medium, and uh, I was thinking more of. But you know when he throws his spear at him a couple times and stuff like that. Okay, even before this particular story, David come and play the music for him. Uh, that's that's what I'm thinking. Of. That uh, play the harp to kind of soothe him. I think that's earlier. I don't think he was. That's even before after, the spirit. Yeah, I don't think he was think after, uh, after David's death. I'll let you keep looking there. Um, so Jesus is the king, and he will limit the creatures. As he gives the boundaries that are set forth. And you can even think whenever the Israelites were under bondage as slaves in Egypt, he allowed that to only happen only for 430 years. But there was a boundary there that was not going to go on forever that he determined that upon his people that they would be uh, set free after the 430 years. And then we know that God brought them forth. Um, at the same time, God protects his people. We can be in the very enemy's camp, the, all the dangers, and yet we have peace. We, we rest in our beds. Um, we have quite enjoyment, I do believe. And... He always takes care of us even in the most worst of times with the worst of the enemies. And so, you know, it's like we're beholden to Him of all that He does. You know, and you think of this providence and He obstructs sin. And, of course, we think about our own lives, our families, our, our, um, our homes, the liberties that He's given us. And uh, it says in Psalm 57.4, I believe, uh, My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and their tongue a sharp sword. And such. So anyway, but this is what God does eventually. Sometimes He does it very quickly. Sometimes He will let it go for a long time. But He will punish the evildoers, and He repays by His providence. And of course, we looked at Sennacherib. We know what happened with Pharaoh. That's an easy one to figure out. You know, a sinner may do things, may do evil things hundreds and hundreds of times, seem to get away with it. It just seems to be prolonged. They live for a long time sometimes. And and then God sometimes will hang them up in chains. I mean, He will uh, judge them quickly, make them spectacles, as He has done many atheists down through the years. So many a blow that he has in different ways. You know, I mean, he's a god of many manifolds of of colors that he that he does things. It's always not the same pattern. But if they're enemies of him, he does judge. But then he rewards his people for their service. And so it's good to know that God judges, and at the same time, he rewards for his own. Did you? Would you run into that, Bob? Uh, 
actually with the help of none. First <laughs> uh, Samuel chapter 16, um, uh, and in verse 12 through um, 12 and 13, it, it speaks how uh, David is anointed to be king. And it says in chat in uh, verse 13, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And then in chapter, and then mm-hmm. verse 14 it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit of the Lord of the Lord from the Lord tormented him. And this is where God's using this providentially again, I believe, to to bring those two together, bring you know the the you know the uh, to bring Saul, who's been you know dethroned, so to speak, <laughs> in the midst of who's going to be the new king, and he actually uses David to be uh, a minister to him. He makes him his armor bearer. It goes on to say there, and uh, Saul says uh, in verse 22, Saul sent to uh, Jesse, David's dad, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hands. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So, providence going on there. They're He's mixing the lives of these men and their destinies are going to flip-flop. Basically, they've been flip-flopped and God, you know, God's already pronounced it, but now there's going to be, (laughs) you know... uh, God's will over man's will. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's too easy, but that's the way it is. People don't get that, do they? They don't... That's... Yeah. We always have to keep that in our minds constantly, we don't we? He always rules over man. Even though it seems like man's getting away. This this is a great example. See, God is the the Lord of even the evil spirits in terms of he has dominion over all the kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the the evil has to even bow down to him and so when the spirit of the Lord departs from Saul, this evil spirit takes over because he doesn't have the protection. But you know, God, if if God wasn't that way, Mm -hmm. we would say, well, that's that's a, you know, he's a nice, loving God. That's why people don't like the Old Testament because it has some rather troubling verses. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it, like he's using the Spirit, it's a messenger from Satan. Matter of fact, even Paul himself encountered a a messenger from Satan to buffet him. Now, what that was, I don't know. But God did that in order to humble Paul. And people can say, I don't like that kind of God. Well, that's the biblical God. And His ways are not our ways. And it is... And for the saint, it's always for good. It's yeah. never to hurt us. So somebody could say, why would he send an evil spirit into Saul? Well, for one thing, the way that he's been doing. <laughs> and, but yet, and there are other places um, where we have this. And, and what did he do with Job? Why did he allow and actually not only permit him, but he sent him? You can have my servant Job. Boy, that 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 could be troubling. He brought Job up. He probably wasn't even thinking about it. Like, hey, look at this. Yeah. In in the accounts where uh, Paul and others, maybe uh, like Paul particularly, has said he's turned someone over to Satan. Right. Church discipline. uh, Church discipline. That reminds me of the the passage that says, uh, "You cannot serve two masters." You know, because you'll love one and hate the other. It's like God departed the spirit from Saul to King David um, because Saul's whole like upbringing in God's God's plan was to anoint David and to give David the kingdom. And so, like once that was done, basically God seems like He was like, okay, well, I've got the one I want, and now you know you're kind of left up to be whoever you're going to be in. You're going to turn against my kingdom. Now you can't. 
it's like you needed to follow me up until I appointed one who would really follow me. You know, and that way King David wouldn't love Saul the way he loved God. He wouldn't serve Saul. Because when the Spirit left Saul, you know, Saul started doing things that was probably not God's glory, you know, in his kingdom. And um, so it was kind of interesting how that worked out. A tale of two kings there. Yeah. One uh-huh. who serves the Lord and one who really turns against the Lord. Because yeah. I think that whole time when it says the Spirit departed from King Saul, it's just saying that God put the Spirit next. And so God was like, I'm taking that Spirit back. You know? And so, so Saul was only king because God had it that way. You know, so. Well, he gave the people what they wanted. Right. Uh, just what you wanted. Just like he gave them, he gave them pheasants and then they gorged themselves on pheasants until they were... You know, I, I, I say fear, but this whole lesson is about not having fear of what's, what might happen and what's going to happen. And as far as elections are concerned, we're not to have fear. But I say this in a loose way, but I fear that's what God is doing. Oh, right. this is what you want. Well, here's, here's the president I'm going to give you. Right. right. And, but maybe we have a chance to vote the right way. Yeah, it's like we've already passed that, haven't we, in a lot of senses. But God protects His people amidst all of this. He punishes the evildoers, repays by providence. Christ, number two, it says, administers the providential kingdom. How does He do it? Well, He uses means, He uses instruments. Uh, we know he to govern the the providential kingdom that he has. Uh, he he not, he not only himself does it, but he uses angels. He uses men, whether they be good, whether they be evil, and uh, um, it's it's good to know that God uses people. When he uses people, if they don't love him, then they're going to do things that are sinful. Right, but it's amazing. He has used unbelievers down through the history, uh, biblical history. One of them happens to be Cyrus, who he raised up to be a leader at the proper time in his providence. And 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 of course, um, you think of using a king like that uh, to fulfill God's will. Somebody who was not. Uh, a believer at that time, and of course, even Nebuchadnezzar. Think about him. God used him, and so you know they could have prosecuted their own kind of desires and wills and and lust, but yet God intervenes and uh, gives them wisdom to act upon. So he he kind of puts a spirit in them sometimes and actually honors God or some kind of a drive, an inclination to do that. While at the same time, they could have done the opposite. Was Why did they do that? Was it say, turns the hearts? Turns the hearts the of the kings. Like channels of water. Now, we've been talking about this, the evil spirits and sending a, a messenger of Satan. But at the same time, we have to remember, on the outline it says, his providential work is holy. Everything that he does is always perfectly pure, always holy, no taint of sin in it whatsoever. Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness Hmm. to be tempted by Satan. There's providence there. There's the outworking of his... Well, Jesus wouldn't fail, so it's kind of like Right, but I'm just saying that that, that's even providential. That that was part of his fulfilling all righteousness. His um, providential works, they're wise and judicious. Oh, the deep counsel, the the wisdom there, the providence manifesting for the people of God. Um, and he is promoting for us eternal joy, eternal happiness. And it's beyond our understandings. 
I mean, we can't even understand, comprehend some of these things that uh, he, He's doing. No way. We, we don't have the mind of God. We are to be developing our minds and having minds like Christ. The providence of Christ is supreme and it's sovereign. Look in Psalm 135, verse 6. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does. In heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deeps, whatever He wants to do. And it's always going to be holy. It's always going to be good. <laughs> always perfect, as a matter of fact. Look in Proverbs eight, fifteen, and 16. By me kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles all who judge rightly. See that kings rule, reign, rulers, princes. Revelation 19.16 Ah, you know what? Revelation 19 is about, right? Christ on that white horse and on His robe and on His thigh He has a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There's majesty. <laughs> That's where the power is at. You know, the greatest monarchs on earth are just like little bits of clay. They're just like worms of the earth uh, as far as Christ is concerned and Him being the King. I think you can also say that Christ's providence is inscrutable. So profound. Psalm 36, six. Turn, turn, turn. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like a great deep. All the deep, wise judgments. O Lord, You preserve man and beast. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. It almost sounds like a song that we sing. Amazing. Great great deep and his footsteps are not known Psalm 36.6 anyway Christ's providence is irresistible in the very design of it Um, the Jews put Jesus to death in Acts 4.28 they did that they did it by their own will their own acting but behind all that is God's plan. <laughs> and this is really hard to fathom, isn't it? To do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bond sermons they seek your word at all times. I think that is dealing with a with a prayer there. Actually I wanted to go to Acts chapter uh Chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through Him in your midst just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross. Now, there is the predetermined plan and foreknowledge. Matter of fact, that's foreknowledge and predestination, the same two words that you see in Romans 8, 29. Here it is again. His foreknowledge, His predetermined plan of God, you nailed to a cross. Now, that's what they did. By the hands of godless men and put Him to death. But God raised Him up again, putting in to the agony of death since it was impossible 
impossible for him to be held in its power. So there you have man being delivered over by uh, this man, Christ, being delivered over by men, wanting to kill him, desiring to kill him, God letting them do that. At the same time, this was all predetermined before the foundation of the world. My mind can't grasp that. That's an amazing thing how it works in. Can you guys get that? Can you understand that thoroughly? Um, how about Ephesians 1.11? It's called, I believe, a high view of God. <laughs> Ephesians 1.11 Yeah, yeah. Bust the pride of man completely, doesn't it? Also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to His purpose who works all things after the counsel of His will. To the end, that we who were the first to hope in Christ will be to the praise of His glory. That's an amazing thing. Christ's providence. It's um, its actually kind of irresistible, isn't it? <laughs> Do any oppose or resist His providence? Well, ultimately, no. Because he, He's going to work through that, right? Yeah, plenty of people resist His work. He says in Isaiah 43.13, I will work and who shall let it? Who will stop it? Who's going to be able to stop that work. It may look like it. It sure deceives people today that uh, they're wanting. One last one here. Christ's providence is harmonious. You take all these invisible connections. We're talking about providence here in the world that He's working things and he, you know he, He's involved in it all. We don't know how to reconcile all these providences, these promises <laughs> that are put forth. We can't reconcile them, can we? And yet, you know, he's not going to do and then undo what he's just done as he's built that. But you look at the seasons of the year, for instance. Um, you can think of the frost that are getting ready to come up, even though, you know, it's been pretty hot. A little bit cooler today. <laughs> hey, you know, October. Sometimes those frosts will happen at the end of October, maybe. You think of the hot. Just horrible days of summer when it's 100 degrees and the humidity is 98%. And yet, of course, the spring and the fall, and all of them come together and they come and bring a harvest. So it is in Providence. They can't talk like that in San Diego. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> they, they, they have one season, like. basically, don't they? <laughs> yeah. That's a hard picture for them to grab, right? But we know all of that is for good. You know, there's a time to plant. Well, Ecclesiastes, right? Of time for the harvest. So that's that's providence. And to know these are the blessings of providence. Things are laid out. They're ordered for really, obviously, the first thing is the glory of God, but the eternal good. And they're to be promoted and secured by Christ for the church for us as He works all this together. And sometimes it sure doesn't make sense. And in the time that we live in, it doesn't make sense. If you look at the political realm, then again you can say, yes, it absolutely makes sense. God is... uh, He's going to have to do something with this nation. He's going to have to do something with this world because it's not going to ride into the kingdom. Yeah, Yeah, He is doing it. Every little detail right now, right? Because of sin, but they're always trying to find like a 
oh, well, maybe their life, maybe their upbringing, and they try to justify it, but there's no justifying that. You cannot justify that kind of behavior. And when you see politicians and leaders and stuff let that person get out free, it's because of sin. It's because of the love of money, because, you know, there's a, there's a financial gain to this, or you know, there's a political gain to this. There's something to gain from letting this criminal go. You know, and it, it's like... Like when they chose to let that murderer out of prison instead of Jesus, you know, it kind of set, I feel like it kind of set everything in motion, knowing that, you know, mankind chose to let a sinner free instead of, you know, the king of all kings. It was all for God's glory, you know, but that's kind of how it is even to this day. You got an innocent person and you got a guilty person, and they would rather let the guilty one go free and make the innocent pay for it because of sin. And it's just, and you know, our nation is so full of sin right now that it's just, it's like, God, you're letting everybody sin. You know, you know your justice, your your righteousness is going to come down on this nation. You know, it's just win. And I guess it's a matter of win instead of if at this point. I think you gave a very good synopsis of that. Thank you. I was wondering how to wrap it up. That really did it. That really did because that that summed summed it. That's um, we we have the answer to it, even though there are intricate details happening. But overall, we know that man is sinful. God is good. He's working all of this for us, uh, for His glory. I think it's an amazing thing. So that sets our hearts right and our thinking right even when things just don't make sense. It's not like what it used to be and all of that stuff. It really comes down to it. God is so sovereign that I think if you weren't a Christian and a believer, it would scare you to death. He's in total control. I think all Christians believe that. If you're a real Christian, you have to believe that God is in absolute control. And that's the idea. That's sovereignty. I don't think you can be a Christian and not believe in the absolute sovereignty of God. I don't know how it can be where he's he's not ruling and reigning. Uh, so even in this kingdom that's visible now, there's a spiritual kingdom that we can see that. Same time, we're dual citizens. We live out in this world, and uh, but then when we can take some of these verses and apply them then to what's going on and realize man is sinful. God's working His thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this evening and thank You for just a few of these passages that we dealt with. and We look at the world in a different way. We look at it through the, the eyes of God. We look through the very glasses of the triune God and we see through Scripture and through Your Spirit that You are a great God. You have it all under control. All things. In Jesus' name, Amen.